Hello, folks, and welcome into this week's game preview on On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Arsh, and I'm happy, as always, to be joined by Inside Texas writer and all-around football expert Ian Boyd. Ian, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, fall is hitting up here in Michigan. I don't know what it's like down in Texas, but uh, it's uh, it's arriving. With you know what? Weather. It's gotten a little bit cooler down here, so uh, no, no complaining down here. I'm sure it's much cooler up in the north, but uh, I digress. Uh, great to have you on again, Ian. Longhorns hosting West Virginia at home this weekend, 6.30 kickoff after a disappointing loss last week. Uh, right off the bat, I want to talk to you about the Longhorn defense. On the field last week for 100 plays against Texas Tech, you could tell there was a lot of exhaustion, but also just some sloppy play mixed in there as well. Where does this group need to tighten up going into this week? You know, I, I almost feel like this wouldn't even be a question if they hadn't had to defend a hundred plays and eight fourth downs, like hypothetically, if tech had not been so aggressive on fourth down and played it more like an average big 12 team, I think the story of the game would have been something more like about how Texas had strangled the Texas tech offense because they 5.9 yards per attempt by Texas tech in that game, even including the fourth downs. That's bad. That's weak. That's like get you beat really badly kind of numbers. Run game, I don't have off the top of my head, but it was something similar. It was like, you know, under four yards a carry or something like that. Tech really didn't do much on offense. It's just that they avoided negative plays, they avoided turnovers, and then they made every single fourth down, usually because of Donovan Smith heroics. So um, there were definitely sloppy moments from the defense. They definitely got tired. Uh, but I think a lot of that was just a function of having to defend 100 plays, having to defend a dual threat quarterback and uh, being on the field for so long in the second half. I'm uh, to me, the major problem with the defense is they don't have like a, it's the, the problem we anticipated. They don't have a dominant edge rusher that can just save your bacon, give you all this margin and prevent teams like, uh, you know, most teams would have issues in the back end if they had to defend that many plays. You'd see some slippages in coverage, but you don't see that if the quarterback can't even get the ball to it because, you know, he's running for his life. He doesn't see it. He's getting dragged down by a dominant defensive lineman because Texas doesn't have that. You see it a little more. So I, I would argue the problem with the Texas defense is less uh, their coverage or their overall cohesion and more, um, just lacking a margin-creating disruptor up front. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a long, yeah, detailed yeah. answer to your question. No, hey, we, we like those long answers, long, detailed answers. Uh, you mentioned fourth down, Texas Tech six for eight on fourth down. Five of those six conversions came on scoring drives. Uh, so something the Longhorns certainly need to take a look at this week in practice. Uh, I want to talk offense now. It certainly looked like the demeanor really changed all around once Xavier Worthy left the game uh, in the second half. Longhorns couldn't really find a lot through the air in his absence. Uh, they only amassed 74 passing yards in the second half compared to 203 in the first. How does this offense need to adjust when big players like Worthy become unavailable? It's like it's the same thing, right, is that um, in, the, in the same way that the defense doesn't have this like uh, margin-creating impact player on the defensive line or at edge, Texas had one at receiver and then lost him. And so then it became about 
Can you pick up steady gains? Can you make sure that you don't let Tech's defensive linemen run through and blow up a running play from behind before it gets started or or knock your quarterback off his spot when he might have an open receiver downfield, right? Texas was not able – the Texas defense is actually much better at overall unit consistency than the Texas offense is. But the Texas offense has Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy, who just make big plays so that you don't have to be great every snap uh, unless you don't have Xavier Worthy, and then you need to be a little better. So um, probably the, because they have so many freshman linemen, they are practicing both quarterbacks. They keep having a lack of clarity on, on whether they'll have viewers or not. So I think the, the better answer – rather than becoming more consistently good on offense, which I think is probably a all full season and into next off season project. It'll be more about what's another way we can create explosive plays, uh, particularly in the passing game to, uh, to free up Bijan and to survive, even if Xavier worthy is limited or, or whatnot. So uh, I think they really need to be looking at, you know, who are these other receivers on our team? What do they do well? And how can we maximize them rather than banking our game plan on springing Xavier Worthy free down the field all the time? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, worthy labeled as day to day. Jordan Whittington, I believe, was the leading receiver for the Longhorns uh, on Saturday. It's going to take a quick break here just to remind you that there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy with our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports, and it just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan looking to get, add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect fit for you. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like Alabama, Florida, Texas, Kentucky, Georgia, and over 70% of the United States and Canada, excluding Ontario. You can simply select two to five players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks predictions. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. This week, I'll be taking Dylan Gabriel throwing for less than 282.5 passing yards and Adrian Martinez having more than a 23-point fantasy score. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using the code Longhorns to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 off on your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50, so on and so forth. Don't forget, that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using the code Longhorns to claim your bonus today and make, take your viewing of your team to the next level this season made those picks thanks to uh, our, our expert ian boyd uh, with some help before the show so thanks ian uh back to the questions let's talk a little bit more about this west virginia offense uh when i spoke to joe bracado of the west virginia metro news earlier this week he said that jt daniels was the best quarterback neil brown has had during his tenure with the mountaineers what makes daniels special and how does he compare or contrast some of the quarterbacks that texas has already played this year well i totally agree 
Uh, it's kind of a tallest dwarf sort of uh, uh, metric there because they had um, Austin Kendall that Oklahoma was very happy to see transfer to them. And uh, that was like one of the, you know, every time somebody would transfer from Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley would make a big stink and try to fight it. Uh, he may have done that a little bit with Austin Kendall, but that was one of the least contentious transfers. I mean, not to dump on the kid. He played he played hard. He was not a terrible player, but he wasn't a very good Big 12 quarterback. And then they bring in uh, Jared Dagey right after him. And Dagey would be like, Diggy would be like a solid with two to three just game-killing mistakes every contest. They've not been great. I think JT Daniels is quite good, so I'm not trying to diminish necessarily, but it's been a, it's been a huge contrast between JT Daniels and what they've had before. He's not really like the other guys Texas has faced this season, which is probably a good thing for Texas. I think – People have noticed, like, what's giving Texas the most problems this year have been these mobile quarterbacks who can move around out of the pocket and find inside receivers uh, getting open against their linebackers and safeties in the middle of the field. Texas's coverage outside with Ryan Watson, Deshaun Jameson has been very good. Uh, their coverage down the field has been very good. They can be had if you can move around and hit guys underneath, um, which is not the worst place to be bad, honestly. Um, but that's not West Virginia's game. Their, their game is power run inside from spread sets and then throw it outside to uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Caden Prather, who are both big, tall receivers, go up and get fades, things like that. Um, so very, very different challenge this week. JT Daniels is not mobile. He doesn't have inside receivers that he can move around and find easily in the middle of the field on your linebackers, although I'm sure they'll They'll do what they can offensively to try to adjust to attack that weakness. It's much more, it's like a, it's like a simplified air raid version of what Sark wants to do, you know, run the ball, throw it deep to outside receivers. Yeah. You touched a little bit on some of the skilled players that West Virginia has uh, starting with their running back, CJ Donaldson, true freshman who in high school played wide receiver and tight end Neil Brown chooses to move him over to the running back position. And so far he's been their leading receipt, uh, leading rusher, excuse me, over 300 yards and six touchdowns already through the first four games. And then uh, their downfield threat, Bryce Ford Wheaton, he's got four touchdowns through four games. What makes them both so good and how can they give this Longhorn defense issues? They're both big physical freaks. And Bryce Ford, I think you just said 6'3", 225 pounds. Donaldson, 6'2", 240 listed. Um, We've seen lots of guys like Ford Wheaton, right? That's pretty. That's a common archetype for a receiver to be that big and fast and powerful, sort of a Roy Williams light kind of deal, or like a you know Lima Swede, what what have you. Um, he's good. He's a problem. He's exactly the kind of guy that Ryan Watts is invaluable for helping to defend, because you can uh, jam him up and not just get overwhelmed and overmatched. Uh, actually contest the route all the way down the down the route tree, whereas a lot of teams will just have to play off on Ford Wheaton or play safety over the top. So uh, he's a problem, but Texas is actually well-equipped for that one. Donaldson is like um, – the, the, the obvious comparison would be like Derrick Henry. Mercifully, he's not Derrick Henry. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurd, if people remember him. He was like a running back for Tennessee, and then he transferred and played tight end and a little bit of running back for Baylor. 
he was another really big guy that was shockingly fluid for his size. Donaldson is probably the bigger problem for Texas if they cannot disrupt West Virginia's blocking schemes up front with their defensive line because he's bigger than Texas's linebackers. And uh, Texas tends to clean up a lot of the run game with Jaron Thompson playing downhill. He's very, very good at it. Uh, but particularly, like, you can see the difference between last year and this. Last year, Texas would not uh, box run in, box runs into the right places. And so runners would get free down the field, and then everyone thought Jaron Thompson was awful in run support because he's having to try to clean up when runners are getting uh, into the open field and able to approach him with, like, space to move in. This year, Texas is funneling runs a lot better, and now Jaron Thompson looks awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that he's that much better. A lot of it is just the defense around him is doing their jobs. But um, he's like 190 pounds. He hits really hard. I think he looks good this week if they do a good job up front. But it could be a problem for like him and Overshone if this guy Donaldson gets loose in the open field because Donaldson is a lot bigger than either of them, and he knows how to use it. So I I highlighted that in my article. I think that's one of the, the crucial matchups of the game. Yeah, be sure to go check out Ian's uh, Keys to the Game article after you watch this. Uh, I want to stick talking about some of these matchups. You mentioned Jaron Thompson against the run game, Ryan Watts against Bryce Ford Wheaton. What are some other matchups uh, that you like between this West Virginia offense and the Texas defense that can maybe give the Longhorns uh, a bit of a leg up? Well, not a leg up. they got to mitigate West Virginia's defensive line. West Virginia has a big nose tackle. Jordan Jefferson, I believe is his name. Uh, they have one of the Still brothers, still the bigger one, uh, that'll play some defensive tackle, defensive end. They cannot be letting that guy shoot by offensive linemen like they let some of Tex guys do last week. Um, all right, well, that actually that'll probably happen. I don't know. If, I don't know how much they can do about it, but they need to mitigate that to the extent they can. Um, the the more favorable matchups, I think, are uh, West Virginia is a little bit weak in the secondary. They have a ton of new starters, like uh, three or four. They had to replace all these veterans. They had to replace veteran safeties. And um, they had one amazing corner that I thought was part of the reason why I thought they might be a a really good dark horse Big 12 contender named Charles Woods. Uh, He was great last year. Um, They were planning to build around him this year, and then he hurt his ankle against Pitt, and he's out. So they are uh, pretty vulnerable at, at corner. If this is going to be the thing. If Xavier Worthy was for sure healthy and Texas had good ways to hit him this week, there should be opportunities to do that. I don't know if they can count on that or not. I, I believe he'll probably give it a go, but um, they need to they need to have plans to attack other parts of the secondary and uh, and the linebackers in particular. Kansas Kansas lit this defense up. Virginia Tech did not, but they had a couple moments of success when they would use plays where. Uh, we just have a lot going on in the backfield, you know, like run pass options with like two running back formations or quarterback uh, option plays with like one running back running a dive, another running back running a quick route to the flat or working as a pitch man or whatever. All the sorts of things that Texas has dabbled in this year with their, uh, with their two running back sets. West Virginia has really struggled with that stuff this season. So there's a, there's an opportunity there for Texas to, uh, keep running some wildcat, even though I know it's not very popular right now and to run these two back sets and see if they can create 
some easy throws and gains for uh, whichever quarterback plays. Just uh, trying to confuse West Virginia's young linebacker core. Yeah, and you talked about the West Virginia defense as a whole, uh, the 23rd ranked team defense uh, in FBS amongst the all 150 teams. Um, Mountaineers have always been a solid group that's given the Texas defense some trouble. Uh, Jordan Leslie's done a good job uh, heading into, I think, his fourth year as defensive coordinator. Uh, where can Texas find uh, the gaps in this defense? Where can they really hit them hard and find them to break? You mentioned two running back sets and trying to confuse the linebackers, but where else do you think that they can make some noise? That 23rd number is interesting. That must be total yardage because they played uh, – FCS team Towson and uh, Virginia Tech, who's pretty awful. The stat is team defense. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, they're probably not that good. So that's a, this should be a relief to Texas fans hearing that stat. Um, now, the, the, just the overall cohesion with the, the, so the nature of their scheme is that they like to clog the interior and spill balls outside where they have fast outside linebackers that tend to align outside the box. Um, safety is playing in quarters coverage to try to come clean things up. And um, they definitely have some talent, but it's just like new nickel starter that's a transfer, new linebacker starter who's a JUCO transfer, new safety starters, one of them is an FCS transfer. So just the overall cohesion is not quite what it's been the last few years. And they play a lot of zone. So there are um, there are often soft spots in the zone. Texas has been pretty good actually the last few years at attacking West Virginia's zone defenses. Um, then if you can do that and start getting them all drifting back, West Virginia is known for having a pretty good run defense. But last year Texas actually ran them over uh, because they were playing back because they were worried about Worthy, I guess. And Texas ran for like I think like Rashawn had like seven yards of carry and Keelan Robinson had like six yards of carry. They didn't even have Bijan in the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's, I think there's definitely opportunities if they can, if they can creatively attack the middle of the field, there should be openings. Um, West Virginia has a good defensive line, but just the guys they're t- setting the table for are less experienced. All right. I got two more for you. Uh, let's talk, let's talk quarterback real quick for Texas. Uh, so far seems like all signs pointing towards Hudson Card getting the start this week. We'll have to see. Uh, if there's maybe a late adjustment. We saw good and bad from him uh, last week throwing the ball deep and just in general. Um, like you mentioned, the West Virginia defense struggled against good passing teams. We saw that against Pitt and against Kansas in those first two games. How does Steve Sarkeesian look to find open shots down the field, if at all, against West Virginia? And, you know, who are some guys, if Xavier Worthy doesn't play, that they try to look for? Where do they try to find them? Things like that. Well, it looks like Tariq Milton is one of the next guys up for throwing down the field. You got some action against Texas Tech. They uh, tried to hit him on a slot fade from their own end zone that I think was probably open and uh, didn't get a very good ball thrown on that play. Um, obviously, our Ajay, Ajay Hall is in that mix and Casey Kane. I don't know if any of these guys are big down the field playmakers, but maybe they can be if you scheme them open, right? Uh, last year, Sark would scheme open uh, uh, Joshua Moore before he was suspended. <laughs> and uh, then Marcus Washington, he got those guys running free at times. So they need to, you know, dial that up, figure out, figure out how to get Jordan Whittington or uh, Jai Hall or somebody running free. 
I think um, a lot of this has been complicated by the fact that uh, I think the game plan is a little bit different with Hudson Card. There's things that he is better at uh, in the like the quick passing game, maybe some zone read, zone option plays. And uh, it's hard to major in those schemes when you're like, well, we might have Quinn Ewers back, and then we can do what we've worked on more and that we've wanted to do all along. And so um, I, I'm, I would be curious to know how much of a bind that's put them in game planning-wise, just being uncertain about, about which way to go. But if it's Hudson Card, I think they got to lean more into standard spread schemes that he's suited for and less of the – less of the fancy pro style stuff that Sark loves most because uh, Hudson card is pretty good in like the RPO game and the zone read game. And you just got to make that a bigger part of the arsenal. If that's what you're going to get. All right. Last question for you, Ian Longhorns have won three of the last five against the Mountaineers. West Virginia comes uh, wins at home last year, 31 to 23 Longhorns open as nine and a half point favorites in this one. If West Virginia, wants to do anything to make this a two-year win streak against Texas, uh, what's going to have to go right for them on Saturday? I mean, they, they definitely want to wear Texas down in the second half. That's the proven strategy. Is uh, It's almost the opposite. It's like uh, Mac Brown always used to say, you know, he always used to say that Texas needed to withstand the surge from other teams when they would come out with all this energy against the Longhorns. Um. And then Mac Brown always had these great quarterbacks that could figure it out and take you down in the second half. With Sark, it's been the exact opposite. It's like if the other team can withstand the surge of Sark's opening play script, then uh, his offense has dried up because they haven't had the offensive line or the quarterback play to, to finish teams off in the second half. So Tech – sorry, not Tech. Virginia, West Virginia, hang around would be the, the one obvious solution. And then um, – I think they got to win a couple 50-50 balls to uh, Caden Prather or Bresford. All right, awesome. Great insight as always, Ian, uh, and little Ian as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, folks, go make sure to follow Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore A underscore Boyd uh, for more analysis and breakdowns throughout the week. And be sure to stick around InsideTexas.com for more coverage throughout the week and into the weekend as well. Also, after the game on Saturday, be sure to head right back here to the Inside Texas post-game show. It'll be Bobby Burton and Rod Babers all making an appearance from DKR post-game for some analysis. Lastly, be sure, as always, to like the video and subscribe to the channel for more Texas football content. Uh, the channel's been doing great recently, and that's all thanks to you all. So thank you so much for that. For our producer, Matthew Hutchison, and all the great folks at Inside Texas, my name is Tommy Yar, signing off. We'll see you this weekend. Have a great day.